0: Welcome to the Policy and Plainer English Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Laban. Today, we're going to talk a bit about transportation, transportation and telehealth. When COVID-19 hit and we went into stay-at-home orders, nobody really stopped to wonder who might need to use telehealth because the answer was pretty obvious. Anyone who required medical services and could receive them remotely should receive them remotely. Now, as we ease out of those orders and begin to look for a sustainable approach to telehealth, we can also look again at who most needs a remote option for connecting. One of the first places to start will be patients with transportation barriers, which brings us to our first guest.
1: Chris Town, Director of FQHC Operations at Northern Counties Healthcare.
0: Northern Counties Healthcare is a federally qualified health center, or FQHC, and that means that part of their mission is to help patients overcome barriers to accessing care, barriers like transportation.
1: We experience patients with transportation challenges every single day. We are finding out about those transportation issues either directly when they're in a visit with their provider, either when they're making an appointment. Unfortunately, sometimes we're finding out about that when they either cancel a visit last minute or they no-show. One of the things that we work to do to try to, to address it up front is through our automated reminder system, And uh, when we use text messaging, we ask patients right up front to contact us if they are experiencing challenges with transportation. If it's a same-day transportation challenge, we have a policy in place where we have a no-questions-ask arrangement where we will provide them transportation through our partnership with RCT, the Regional Transportation Authority here in the Northeast Kingdom, to provide them transportation to their appointment. If that is not an option and uh, taxi service is available, we can also provide taxi service. So that's that immediate, uh, more emergent solution to addressing their transportation challenges. Beyond that, uh, we would connect them with one of our community resource coordinators to help them find more long-term solutions, which sometimes would uh, result in, again, partnering with RCT, you know, perhaps providing gas cards so that if they have a, a neighbor or a family member that could provide them transportation, but they need some financial assistance to do so, we can help offset that cost. And one of the more common challenges that we see are actually transportation barriers to appointments outside our region. So we're, our community resource coordinators are often working with other partner organizations across the state and at Dartmouth to provide transportation to those specialty visits that are outside the Northeast Kingdom.
0: We realize that the problem isn't just the transportation, the actual vehicle that gets from point A to point B. It's also time to navigate the system, time off work, childcare, time away from school if it's a child who needs to be seen. When getting to a doctor isn't as simple as hopping into your own car and driving 10 minutes down the road, it can have a cascading effect. And if you're someone who foresees that effect, there's an incentive not to even bother to try and get healthcare which means that Chris and his colleagues also invest in a lot of outreach.
1: So our community resource coordinators are well ingrained in the communities that we serve. As a federally qualified health center, we have a pretty robust outreach and enrollment program where we are charged with getting the word out about the services that we provide, as well as helping patients overcome those barriers to accessing care. And transportation is one of those areas. So. Our community resource coordinators partner with other local agencies to continue to spread the word. They attend community events uh, and integrate as much as they can into the communities that we serve.
0: One good thing about everyone switching to telehealth during COVID-19, including with the option of using a telephone for those who don't have easy broadband access, is that everyone now has a sense that there are different ways to deliver health care, that we can, in fact, be flexible around transportation issues.
1: We have seen already that the uptick in telehealth has already reduced barriers for those patients with transportation challenges. It's very convenient for that family who doesn't have daycare or doesn't have reliable transportation to uh, easily connect uh, via Zoom or in some cases, just given our remote nature uh, and limited access, just audio only or just the phone to be able to connect with their healthcare provider. This has also reduced time missed from work for patients. Going to the doctor's office can take time away from your family, time away from work. And having the advantage of telehealth is huge for patients who have issues with getting there, but also other challenges in making appointments.
0: Another way to look at this would be to start not from the broad question of transportation, but from a type of care where we know that transportation barriers have been an obstacle to getting folks enrolled and successfully completing treatment. For that, we bring in our second guest expert of the episode.
2: Hi, this is Brian Bates. I'm a family doctor at Mountain Health Center in Bristol, Vermont. One of my roles at at Mountain Health Center is medication-assisted treatment. So we have a robust medication-assisted treatment, which we call MAT for short. We have a robust MAT program in Addison County. We're the largest largest provider of those services. And what MAT is, is a holistic, multidisciplinary approach to working with people with a substance use disorder, primarily opioid use disorder, towards their goals of recovery. And the medication-assisted component of the acronym is that the treatment involves prescription of a, of a medication, namely Suboxone or methadone as one component of a management plan for those patients. Typically, we're interacting with patients closely and frequently. The relationship element is a really important part of the effectiveness of treatment. In Vermont, there's a, there's a hub-and-spoke model of treatment for folks with op- opioid use disorders, and Mountain Health Center would be an example of a spoke practice. So when I'm working with a patient, when they become a patient, we typically see them frequently as the prescriber. I would see them, you know, at least weekly initially as we get to know each other and stabilize and and get them settled into treatment. Most of the time, patients are also working with a counselor and we have multiple counseling options at our health center, including licensed alcohol and drug counselors. More conventional therapy options. We're expanding Recovery Coach, which is a peer to peer support program for patients. Uh, We have an acupuncturist who is trained in acu detox, looking at those techniques in, in the context of substance use disorder. So, patients are frequently not only interacting with a prescriber such as myself for visits, but also working with other other clinicians and checking in with them frequently as well access to treatment has historically been a major issue statewide despite the fact that Vermont is has certainly demonstrated very strong commitment towards addressing the opioid epidemic and facilitating access to treatment
0: mat programs are a critical part of addressing substance use disorders but they also require frequent visits with multiple people in a practice And the catchment area for a spoke program like the one at Mountain Health Center can be fairly large, both adding time to transit and requiring navigation across more than one service territory. Plus, this is holistic treatment that's meant to address pressures in the patient's whole life. And losing hours and hours each week to difficult travel takes time away from those other areas of recovery.
2: So transportation presents itself as a barrier in a number of ways patients are traveling significant distances to to get to appointments and their appointments are frequent patients often have financial difficulties which limit their their access to transportation patients often have legal troubles as well which limit their access to transportation i'm thinking of a patient that i've worked with who did not have a driver's license because it was revoked for A legal issue. He was in our program. He lived actually outside of Addison County. There were some limitations as far as getting rides through our public transportation program here in Addison County. Um, So he would drive without a license in order to to come to his appointments, which was obviously concerning for me as a prescriber and a challenge to balance the benefit that he was getting from being in our program with risks to him by driving without a license and my participation in that. Another component is if patients are traveling, let's say 45 minutes to come to a visit with me, which is typically a half hour visit, maybe even a 15 minute visit, we're talking about more than two hours of their of their time in order to to check in with me. We know that employment is a is a really important ingredient for durable recovery. We know that parenting and successful parenting is a really important ingredient for durable recovery. And if we're asking patients to spend a few hours of their of their day to come to treatment then we might frequently be eating into those other important parts of their lives and of their recovery, and that can serve as a significant turn-off to patients who might otherwise engage in treatment.
0: These elements put Matt into a tricky place entering COVID-19. Transportation was a frustrating barrier to engagement, but as much as providers wanted to reduce transportation demands, they also didn't want to eliminate them, since some elements of the program rely on in-person care, whether it was for the logistics of random urine tests, the feasibility of acupuncture, or establishing a relationship with a new patient This makes Matt a brilliant fit for telehealth, just not pandemic telehealth.
2: Generally, it does not require physical exam, does not require lab testing, and it lends itself really well to conversation by phone or video visit. It's far more convenient to patients. It actually allows us as prescribers or, or therapists or whatever role might be in the context of of a patient's treatment. It allows us to check in with patients very efficiently, which can facilitate more frequent visits. My one concern really is that we know that the relationship component is a critical part of a patient's treatment. And I worry that it's harder to, to foster that therapeutic relationship over the telephone or over video. Our patients, in the context of, of COVID-19 in particular, and all the other hardships that everybody is facing, but particularly more vulnerable groups of people, such as folks struggling with the substance use disorder, we know that our, our patients have had a lot of challenges. We've seen, um, just among the patients in our practice, we've seen overdoses, we've seen suicide, and anecdotally, there, there's really a spike in, in bad outcomes. I think that's not just anecdotally. I think that that's playing out across the, across the system. My gut tells me that the switch to telehealth is not an explanation for why people are struggling. It's really all the other things that are going on in folks' lives, the financial challenges, the social isolation, the stress, the anxiety, being cooped up perhaps in a home that is not supportive of recovery and brings um, a lot of challenges. My impression is that telehealth, as far as Matt goes, is really very effective and here to stay and has been very useful in the context of COVID-19.
0: We already know from earlier conversations that the best way to succeed in telehealth during a COVID-19 stay-at-home order was to have a relationship established with a patient both in person and remotely prior to its start. Coming up with appropriate models that can blend in-person and remote visits engages more patients by reducing transportation barriers in non-COVID times and sets everyone up for a more productive experience if a major disruption causes us to switch back to all remote care. The focus here is on flexibility to help patients, whether it's in Dr. Bates's MAT program or in the broader outreach that Chris Town described.
1: I'm really excited about what the future of telehealth looks like. I think that we were... catapulted into this given the current pandemic, but I think it has lots of opportunities to continue to grow uh, and expand, uh, in in particular around addressing those with transportation challenges.
2: I love seeing patients in person. I prefer seeing patients in person. From a me-centered perspective, I would love all my patients to come into our health center, but I'm not sure that that's patient-centered. Our mission is to serve our patients and you know not to focus on the things that that we necessarily want them to do but to meet them where they are and be be creative about how to help them with with their goals i think going through this experience of of all the changes in in healthcare in the context of of covid-19 has really driven home for me that it's just important to be creative and flexible with how we we work with patients. Telehealth is a great example of that. And to acknowledge that each patient faces their own individual barriers and, and our system should have the capacity ideally to adjust based on those barriers to, to meet that person where they are and make sure that you know that we're eliminating any barriers that might otherwise deter that person from engaging in treatment.
0: The ways in which telehealth changes how well we can all access the healthcare we need will be a topic explored in future episodes of the Policy in Plainer English podcast.